Welcome to the Brains Magazine podcast, a podcast with in-depth interviews and conversations with world-class entrepreneurs, expert coaches, industry leaders, and international celebrities. Get exclusive insight into the world of business, mindset, leadership, and lifestyle with your host, Mark Sefton. Welcome to this episode of the Brains Magazine podcast. I'm super excited. We have Oscar Chavez with us today. He is a keynote speaker. He appeared on the season two of The Voice in Australia. He's also an Amazon bestseller and a social media influencer. How are you today, Oscar? I'm doing wonderfully today, Mark. How are you? I'm good, though I've got a confession to make, right? This is funny. When I looked at your uh, audition on YouTube with over 1.7 million views, I was like, wow, right? I love Bon Jovi. And when I heard you sing The Bed of Roses, I was like, wow, this boy can sing. Like, And I tell you what, I went. To, it was the last thing I did before I went to bed, right? I, ha- I had a dream <laughs> and you were in it, which I just thought was hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> I was literally on the front row of that whole audition in my dream. And I was like, wow, this guy's already made an impression. <laughs> wow that's incredible i thought you were going to say you, you woke up to a bed of roses or something or i'm there <laughs> head up onto, your, onto your bed <laughs> wonderful <laughs> no it was it was really funny right and I, I reached out to daniel who's the co-founder of brains and he said you know what mark he said i had a dream about an executive contributor myself last night and i was like what the heck's going on <laughs> so that's great yeah it was really funny but it's funny because i I felt like I know you now because of that dream. Like, I just find it quite bizarre. But anyway, um, well how fitting, done. How fitting that I was in your brain and we're on Brains Magazine. It's just, <laughs> it fits quite nicely. <laughs> exactly, exactly. So I'm really looking forward to today's interview with you, Oscar. And uh, I'd love to know, what was the exposure, the experience of being on a show like The Voice? And how authentic was that experience? Because we, we hear often like Pop Idol or American Idol or Britain's Got Talent or the voice, like how authentic is that experience? Yeah, I, ha- I have a, uh, a track record in, in, in pursuing uh, a singing career. And so I had experienced all different types of, of, of platforms in order to get, my, um, to get my singing career off the ground. And, and it was one of the decisions I made to never, ever go for some of these auditions because if you look at the, the, the morale or the way that they treat some of the contestants on the other show, I'll call them that contestants, um, they, they don't necessarily treat them with the best, uh, they don't treat them as nice as they could. Let's, let's put it that way. And so I, I had moved away from the whole, you know, auditioning, trying to get stuff on TV uh, approach because I just didn't like the way that they treated their artists just from a, a philosophical values perspective. And then I came across the voice and it was season. I watched season one of the voice and they completely changed. They well, they, they, they treated their people in a way that I'd never really experienced before. They treated their people with dignity, with respect. It wasn't about uh, making fun of people. It was really about getting people's uh, voice out there uh, in the public. And of course, story is a huge part of that. You've got to have a good story in order to get on these platforms. And it's the same in, in business. You've got to have a great story if you want to really advance your business to the next level. Um, but I decided that I would really, I would take a shot because I like the value system of, of the voice. 
And even after going through that process of, of being on TV, going through the blind audition, uh, even the way they would refer to their people, they had a diff- they developed a different language. And the language it was around not calling people contestants, it was calling them artists. The language was around, we are not your, 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 your end all. This is a small part of your journey. So the whole language around the show construct was completely different and it was, it was incredibly authentic. Now, from an authenticity perspective, I mean, standing on stage there singing in front of, I knew it was being broadcast to, you know, about 4 million people. Little did I know that the YouTube would blow up to be about 1.2 million as well. Um, and, and sometimes even to this day, I have people approach me, they're like, I was watching the top 10 on The Voice and in your audition came up. It's like, well, I, didn't, I haven't even seen some of these videos, right? So sometimes I have people approaching me about that. But honestly, it was it was just such an authentic and and transformative experience for me that I, I really uh, I really enjoyed being on the show. Yeah, I love love what you said there about they called you artists uh, and how important we've and even from the very start of this interview we've talked about language and the importance of you know speaking the language of the people that you want to attract the people that you want to honor. I thought that was really beautiful. I mean, I've I've been involved in some of the processes of some of the TV shows here in the UK. Uh, and when they said to me, Mark, your personality doesn't clash enough with uh, the other contestants. And that's why we're not going to send you through to the, the final. I realized that it's not just about the actual gift of what you have, whether it's a voice or business etiquette. It is also trying to create a, a bit of theater and a bit of drama. So it's kind of nice that they really are more authentic or more human in that experience, I guess. Yeah, absolutely. 100% agreed. Now, I know you dropped 70 kilograms uh, after the show. Like, what drove that? What made you decide, you know what, I'm going to drop this weight? Yeah, I think it, uh, you get to the point where you, you think to yourself, I'm, I'm, I'm sick and tired of being sick and tired. And so for me, it was about really, it was, uh, it was about going on a journey of self-discovery it was, it was about going on a journey of who I could be if I didn't have all this negative self-talk and all these limitations and all these things that were, were holding me down in my life. It was really, and I talk about this all the time, it was, it was the journey into, into what we call the hero's journey, uh, that psychological construct that's behind every great movie, that the, 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 the hero is called out into the unknown, he's going to take this new journey, learn these whole new set of skills, face the big bad boss, get punched in the head 12 times or, or you know, get, get stabbed and then have to uh, walk with a wound. But it's that whole hero's journey perspective that I really wanted to understand what, what my life could be like if I tapped into my full potential. And I just, you know, I'd, I'd, I'd struggled with yo-yo diets and things like that for, for my whole life from, 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 from being a child. I always had an issue with weight. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was, it was that moment in my, in my life where I really tapped into my why and I really started focusing on what, what I wanted my life to look like. And every day I had to visualize, every day I had to really identify and understand what I wanted my dream life to look like. And I, and I set out into that journey and, and was very successful with that journey. And uh, it's, uh, it's something that you really have to learn uh, resilience in, in order to do it. Because in, in life, we turn to uh, bad habits in order to uh, satisfy some of the negative feelings that we might have on any given day. But the reality of life is that life 
has negative feelings in it. So we have to learn to sit with those feelings. Those mm. feelings are a part of life and we can't turn to some vices that we all, that we all develop. Some people it's, it's shopping. Some people it's, it's negative self-talk. Some people it's like gossiping. Some people it's going out to the pub with your mates. Some people it's like, you know, much more really self-destructive behavior, but we all have these vices. And so if we overcome these vices, then I truly believe that we can become better. And if we can become better, then we can help the world be a little bit better than the way we left it. Yeah, I love that. So really focusing on walking the talk and, and not just, you know, having lots of, you know, conversations and promises, but then not backing it up. So taking that journey of your own self-discovery, self-improvement and moving forward so that you can be a shining light through example. Because I know kids in, for example, I've got three kids, Oscar, and it's always they learn by what I do, not by what I say. And it's very much that essence, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. And and we've got to understand um, as, as human beings that our environment creates our success. And so if we want to, and this, I'm reflecting on the, on, the, on the comment you said about kids, but a lot of times you see parents speaking to their children in a certain way. Sometimes, and, and I see it a lot, when, especially on, on things like public transport, where the mom is just yelling at the kid, like, mm. would you just sit down, <laughs> right? And, 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 and you think to yourself, if you approach a kid with emotional instability, what you're teaching them is emotional instability. So if the parent lacks the ability and the own uh, emotional integrity, emotional intelligence, and the own discipline to stay calm within their emotions, then how can they possibly expect their kids to listen or to behave? It, it's an impossibility mm. because kids learn by example. We all learn by example. And so if we're sitting there as, as parents and, and, um, and emotionally reacting to our kids, then we're going to get emotional reactions back and we're going to say, why don't our kids behave? But really the answer is within us. It's a reflection of who we are. So yeah, I, I totally agree with that, Mark. Yeah, exactly. And um, I think you're a father, aren't you? Yeah, yeah. Father of two. I was going to say, I, I thought I saw one of your children with your partner during uh, the, the voice. Uh, so I thought that that was the case, uh, but I never like to presume and you know, how wonderful and what a privilege it is to be a dad, right? It's amazing. Oh, yeah, it's the best. Yeah, it's beautiful. And I always say to people, if if I can't be the greatest father to my kids because I'm so busy trying to improve the life of, of strangers, then I'm really missing it. The people that we have to develop and invest in first is our children and our family. And then mm. out, out of that, you know, and, you know, for people that are, are joining, you know, you look fantastic, by the way. I think you look really incredible, very handsome. You look very sharp. Uh, so you've done a great job. You know, you do. You look really good, Oscar. Thank you. Thank you very much, sir. So I know that you've mentored over 650 startups, which is staggering, and you've impacted the lives of over 92,000 entrepreneurs uh, using a method called, I think it's Beho, B-A-H-O. What is the premise of, of Beho? So I, I have gone through, uh, so Howard Berg, who's the, the, world, the Guinness World Record holder of speed reading and learning. I, I, I took mentorship from him and I learned to speed read and, and speed learn. Um, and you've got Jim Quick on one of the magazine covers of, of Brains. So it's in that similar dimension. But several years ago, I mean, since, since roughly the age of 17, I've, I've been all about self-development, personal development, learning to get quicker, faster, more agile. And through this process of reading, you know, over a hundred books, 
I started to see a lot of different patterns emerge in life. And, and I was, I was really obsessed with, with habits because I started to realize that the, the, the self-destructive road that I'd led down to get to, to the weight gain that I, that I'd gotten uh, was, was as a result of habits. And so I started really researching habits and, and where they stem from and how to break that habit, uh, that habit pattern. And, and I stumbled across some, some really interesting concepts. The first one and, and the reason I call it the Baho method is because all behavior stems out of a belief system that we might have. So I started to see this, this track record of, so B-A-H-O, so Baho, B stands for beliefs. So the beliefs that I have in my life will lead to A, my actions. So if I have a certain set of beliefs, that's going to create a certain set of actions. And then H is going to be the habits that I build. So if you have habits for, if you have sustained uh, actions, they turn into habits and those habits will lead to the outcome in your life, which is the O in Bajo. So you can reverse engineer anything in your life. You can look at, okay, why is my bank account the way that it is? Well, it's because the habits you have and the habits you have are because of the actions you take on a daily basis and the actions you take on a daily basis because of what you believe. And so if we start to understand that, that everything, that everything we have in our life, every single outcome, every relationship that we build, the money of bank, the, the money we have in the bank account, the, the success of our business, uh, our relationship with our kids, all stems from a belief system. And so, for instance, if I'm walking around in the corporate environment and I say to my employees or my or the people that report to me, you've got to earn my trust then it completely changes the dynamic of that relationship versus someone that says, I trust you to do what I've hired you to do versus someone that says, you've got to earn my trust, buddy. You've got to, you've got to wait in line. You know, this, there's a pissing contest here and you've got, to, you've got to wait in line. You've got to serve your time, right? It's a completely different dynamic versus a leader that stands there with their people and says, I trust you to do what you need to do to get the job done. I trust you that I hired you. I'm going to get out of your way and you're going to get a fantastic outcome for the business. It completely changes the dynamic of the relationship. Or for instance, you might think to yourself, uh, well, this is one that I used to say to myself all the time. I have a bad memory, right? That's a belief system. If I think to myself, I have a bad memory, it means that I won't take accountability for getting a better memory. It means that I won't take accountability for working on my weaknesses and getting really strong at having an awesome memory. And I used to say that to myself all the time. I used to say to myself, I have bad memory, have bad memory, have bad memory. Never used to remember people's names, never used to remember the critical things that I needed to remember. But when I changed that story and that belief system, and I said, I have an amazing memory. I have a great memory. I have the ability to retain information better than anyone else in the world. Once I started thinking like that in terms of belief system, it changed my life. It meant that I had to put in the work to get better. And in life, unless we're willing to put in that work to get better, then, uh, then, then the outcome we have is the outcome we're going to have. And I, and I actually wish that the outcome that we had was the outcome that we'll continue to have. It's actually, the, it's, it's actually not that. It's that things get backwards. We live in, a, in an expansive universe. It's constantly expanding. And so by very nature of standing still, we're actually going backwards. So unless we're growing on a daily basis, then we go backwards. And that's, that's where the whole Baho uh, system stems from. And so when I sit down with executives, I can quickly pinpoint where their belief system is so that we can change that belief system so they can get better outcomes in their life. Wow. I think that people will have to listen to that little five minutes, uh, maybe three or four times. Get your knife and fork out, ladies and gentlemen. There was so much meat in there. I think, you know, first of all, I think, you know, people do disqualify themselves, don't they? They kind of 
think this is the way I've always been. So this is how it's always going to be. And they don't challenge those limiting beliefs. They they hold on to a story that they don't realize they can rewrite, you know, the story. You can turn the page. You can write a new chapter. You can even throw that book away and create a new one. People always say to me, Matt, I've got to, I've got to deal with the, with the cards I've been given. I say, no, you can even throw those cards away and get a new deck. Like it is literally the way that you respond. I did a bit of research, Oscar, on the word mindset, and it actually means habits of the mind. So when you would, that's what mindset means, habits of the mind, right? Which then starts to change, I think, the way that we understand our mindset. It can be also our way of thinking. So when you were talking about habits, I thought that was so, so important. Like, how, how do we creatively create habits that serve us rather than kipper us? How do you do that? So I think it's, a, it's, a, it's a, first, all things start with an awareness. Mm. It, that, that, that's how we start to create the life that we want, is, is an awareness first of, of, of where we are and where we want to be. And so if we need to realize as, as human beings that we have this thing called the default mode network, DMN. And what that means is that our brain's job isn't to, uh, to to make us money or to get more efficient or any of those types of things. It's it's to keep us alive, right? This, this is, you know, 101 stuff, very basic. Um, but what we need to understand is that our lives are essentially about 90% unconscious behavior. So they're just, we don't have to think about it. We just get it done. We drive from point A to point B. We do it unconsciously. We don't have to think about it. It's not, it's, it's, it's not difficult at all. Our, our whole life is, is about driving that efficiency of just being comfort or the default mode network, which is that things just happen and I want to develop habits because then I don't have to think about it. Thinking is actually the hardest part of even building a business. It is the hardest part. So get someone to sit down for, for four hours and plan and strategize and all the components in their head like that. That's the hard stuff. That's, that's where the labor is. Mm. And so if people start to realize that, like you said, it's the, it's the habits of the mind They've got to start calling themselves on the inner self-talk. And, and one of the things that I wish that we all realized was that all reality is created with language. That's, that's how it starts. Even in our DNA, there's, there's language in there. There's code in our DNA, uh, which determines how we, how we flourish or how we manifest in this world. And so if we realize that with the right language, we can create the right reality, we would be so much kinder to ourselves because anytime in our head that we go, I'm, I'm stupid or I've got a bad memory or I'm bad at technology or you know, whatever limiting self-belief that we all have, if, we, if we're aware of those thoughts and we build the habits to capture those thoughts as they come and ignore them and correct ourselves, you know, if, if, you, if you heard your child saying to, to you as, as, as a father, they, they said, uh, you know, I'm stupid. You say, no, no, hold on. You, you're not allowed to talk like that. Like, you're not allowed to talk like that. And we have to get like that inside our heads that when we hear ourselves, we've got to correct ourselves. So the, the discipline needs to uh, increase for us really to create that effective life. And it is a great deal of self-awareness. It's a journey to within. It's the introspective journey. It's like, we have astronauts in the world that want to go out into space, but you've got to kind of want to be an intranaut. You've got to want to go inwards and start to analyze and identify what's going on in your own heart and your own mind, check it, understand uh, why it's there. And the reason that people don't do this, Mark, is because it hurts. Mm -hmm. There is a lot of pain inside of, of, of each of us. There's a lot of, of, a lot of suffering uh, on the inside of each of us. And so if we 
don't go inside to deal with those things, then we we would just not be in a position to create the lives we want. This this podcast could almost be called um, the Thought Buffet with Oscar and Mark. <laughs> there's there's so much goodness in this, and I know that you were talking about how you worked with uh, the Guinness Book Book of Records. Um, guy who helped you you know speed read a book and i know that i think you read one book a week if i if i remember right and what what would you say has been the one book in the last 12 months that's really kind of captured you and and helped maybe challenge some of these thoughts that you're talking about has there been a book that really has popped for you such a good question because early in my career there's a couple of books which just geometrically changed my life that i think everybody needs to read like uh High Performance Habits, Brenda Bichard, um, Think and Grow Rich, Napoleon Hill, uh, Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, Stephen Covey. And, and these are some of the books that started to really just, wow, shift my mindset. I remember reading High Performance Habits and just crying, like literally, like just, I just broke down into tears because the book really challenged me who I was and, 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 and it challenged me. It said, are you really going to show up in the world the way that you want to be perceived in the world? Because that's hard and you're going to have to overcome a lot of obstacles to do that. I remember just crying, thinking like, this is serious business. Like if you want to get to high performance, it's, it's, it's really serious business. But, you know, to, to, to answer your question more directly, has there been anything in the last 12 months? Um, there's a book that was written by Mary Buffett, I believe, uh, Warren Buffett's granddaughter. Uh, it's called The Tower of Warren Buffett. And it's just these great philosophies it's filled with maybe 60 different philosophies. And the one philosophy uh, that I've come across recently that has like, geometrically changed my life has made me pivot my whole life in a, in a completely new direction uh, was a quote by Warren Buffett saying, if you're going to ever invest in a company, invest in a company that can be run by an idiot because one day one will. And I thought <laughs> that, that, that is beautiful. That is so beautiful because you know what? Some of the companies that I run are really difficult. You've got to get your hands in. It's, 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 it's dirty work. It's psychologically and you know, emotionally draining. Like some of the companies that I do advisory for and, 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 and help from a sales branding and marketing perspective, like it's tough emotional work. And when I read that, I thought I'm, I'm working really hard here. Um, and because I want to, right? Part of it is, is the growth and I want to learn all that kind of stuff. But I thought I've got to, I've got to change my business model slightly so that I could even get an idiot to run it. And I'm not there yet, right? I'm not there yet. But that, that is the thought process behind that statement. And it's, it's life-changing. Yeah, that is funny as well. It's made me chuckle. I think it'll really stick. I know that you're clearly driven, Oscar, to impact the lives of others. You know, 92,000 entrepreneurs that you've impacted, 650 startups that you've helped mentor. What has been kind of like the catalyst or the driver behind your heart to want to impact so many people? Where does that come from? That's a great question. Um, you know, growing up, uh, you know, I, I, I fled from a war-torn country, El Salvador. Lots of corruption. It's, it's, it's civil war. It, it, is, it is not a nice place. It, it is rated as the place with the worst gangs in the world. And... Mm. And, and having to flee from, from that environment, it, it made me grow up just really grateful to be alive. So I grew up seeing my parents work, you know, two jobs each. At one time, my dad had three jobs. Uh, you know, we didn't live in the, in the, in the rich area of town. You know, we, we, we grew up in the, in, in the, you know, in the not so rich area of town, right? In the kind of uh, typical you know, middle class type of environment, a bit rough around the edges, let's say. 
And so I just always grew up with this desire to, well, firstly, it was that gratitude that I was even alive, but my parents just had great values. You know, I just, I look at my parents, they're such nice people. They're so giving, they're so warm, they're so friendly to people. And I, they just set such a, such a great example for me. So for me, it was always this, this thing that I just, I had to do good. Um, I remember though, you know, that, that was kind of my drive. And I, I started my health company on, on the back of that and just really wanted to help people. And I became almost self-destructive because I wanted to help people so badly. Like I, it was, it was like my number one mission in life. I had to change the world and I would kick down any door, put myself in any harm's way in order to like, I'd take a bullet for this. Right. Cause I was so just deeply passionate about it. And I remember one day I was, I was going to, I was flying to South Africa pre COVID. I was going to speak at a conference in front of about 15,000 entrepreneurs at uh, mega business in South Africa. And I remember just laying in my bed and I started to do the introspective journey. And I thought to myself, Oscar, why, why do you want to change the world so bad? And I, I kind of, I was like, I, I felt a bit of discomfort and I thought, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to sit into this. I'm going to, I'm going to go through this process. So I, I, asked, I asked myself again, Oscar, why do you want to change the world so much? And I decided that I would have a moment of, of, of true honesty with myself. And the answer that came back from myself was that I was, I was blinded by power. I needed power. And I was, it was, it was such a weird response and, and it confused me. And so I decided that I'd push a bit deeper into that. And I said to myself, why do you, why do you love power so much? And, and that's when like my heart broke. I, my, my tears just started pouring out of my face. I was just like holding my face and there's just, there's tears everywhere because the answer that I'd gotten was that because when you were young, you felt powerless because of the obesity and the terrible relationships that you'd gone through, you just completely felt completely powerless in this world. And so now you're trying to accumulate all this power. So when you help people, you feel powerful. And I thought that that's why it broke my heart because I realized that this drive to help others and the drive to help other people was in order to fulfill a lack that I had in my heart mm. of hearts. And that's when the, that's the moment where I realized, you know, I don't, I don't need to change the world. All I need to do is feel whole. All I need to do is, is love myself and be accepting of myself. And, and that's really all I can do because that will, that will create this effect where my family will be better. And if maybe my family can be better then maybe people outside my family and my community can be better. And then if those people are better then maybe that can start to stretch out into the world. So instead of going, I'm taking on the world, it's like, just, just take on yourself be all that you can be. And that is such a more powerful way to live and a conscious way of living because the unconscious way of living is like, I've got this goal and I've got to get for, I've got to go for that goal. And I'm going to, I'm going to take a bullet for that goal. And if I die achieving that goal, then my life would have been worth it. Whereas, and, and we go through life missing all of the beautiful opportunities that we have in every day to really just live, to just be, we're called human beings for a reason, but for some reason, all we do is human doing. We just do, 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 do all the time. But we just sometimes have to step back and just be, be one and, and, and life will just be much better. Yeah. There's again, there's so much in there. Another buffet uh, for, for all of us to, to chew on. And uh, it's absolutely right. I love the language. We're very similar. I think in our, in our psyche, uh, Oscar, which, I, which I love. Uh, I always say that, you know, you've got to change your world. And if you change your world, the world will naturally change by default because we're in it. If we, if we want to change the world, we've got to change our world. It then ripples out of that. So I love that. 
And I also always say, you know, that none of us can lead somebody away from a path that we haven't been ourselves. And I love the vulnerability of how you are able to identify what it is that really drives you to impact because of the fact that you were powerless. You now want to empower those that also will feel like that. And that's what I believe leadership is. It's, it's kind of experiencing something within ourselves and then reaching our hand out to somebody else who is walking the path that we used to walk, but we've now found enlightenment or expansion. So, oh man, it was so good. That was Oscar really enjoyed that a lot, really. Now it's clear that you've invested in your lot. Like obviously you've invested, you know, in, in losing weight, you've invested in reading like a a book a week through uh, working with uh, Guinness book of records guy. And I would love to know out of all the investments that you've made in yourself, Oscar, what's been the greatest investment in yourself? You know, you know, I could, I could easily say coaching because I, I do a lot of coaching and coaching has, has accelerated my life by about 20 years, I would say, um, because I, I worked with the world's number one wealth and business coach. And, and, and all I did was get around these roughly 60 year olds and, and you know, uh, people that were specialists in, in, in uh, mergers and acquisitions. So the CEO of, um, oh, what's the company name? They're, they're a turnaround company, Alvarez. Marcella, I think it is, Hugh Hilton um, of, of the Hilton family. And just all these like great people like George Ross, who's, who's uh, Donald Trump's right-hand man and just all these like sage minds. And, and I just immersed myself for about two years, every single day in their worlds. I would just listen every single day over and over again. And that accelerated my, my life and my mindset by at least 20 years, right? So I can easily say that coaching um, has, has been the number one investment in terms of accelerating my life. But the coaching didn't didn't help me deal with the stuff that I was weak at. So if my 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 one takeaway from this is, there's there's a lot of talk around doubling down on your strengths and just just doing stuff that you're strong at and delegating everything else. But unfortunately, that doesn't work. You know, if you look at the greatest performers of of, of our world, like even Kobe Bryant, would talk significantly about his game, the way that he'd play. And if he was coming up short on jump shots, he knew that he had a problem with his legs and he had to develop his legs. If he kept losing the ball as he went across to the left, he knew that that was a weakness and he had to develop that weakness. So the greatest investment I think that anybody can invest in themselves is to really develop their weaknesses. Your strength is going to be your strength and you're going to operate most of the time in your strengths because that's what you love to do. It's most comfortable. It's the easiest and it's the easiest to get uh, accelerated growth by focusing on your strengths. But it's the weaknesses that are going to come and they're going to smack you on the back of the head in a, in a massive way. And it's going to send you tripping and it's going to be devastating when it happens because you've, you've ignored all these weaknesses that are here piling up, piling up, piling up. And then eventually it's going to, it's going to, it's going to topple on you and, 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 and make things real bad like it has for me. I've been in the position where I've lost everything, right? The empire that I was building all collapsed because of a couple of really bad decisions. Why? Because I wasn't focusing on developing my weaknesses. So the greatest investment that people can make outside of coaching and getting mentors around them uh, that can help them in, in new and better, more efficient ways is to truly figure out what your weaknesses are and develop them so that they're not weaknesses anymore. Yeah, that's an interesting one because we do hear that, you know, like play to your strengths, hire your weaknesses. And I think there is some probably uh, crossover between in a business sense and in a personal sense 
I think for me, like the sweet spot is really, I want to be competent in, in all areas. Um, because I like to know the process, but I also find it really liberating when you can just say, actually, I'm not so good at this and that's okay. You know, and I think somewhere between the two, but for me, it's about competence and maybe not even a strength, but maybe getting that weakness to at least mm -hmm. competent level, I think it's probably yeah. the essence of, of the growth. Really good though. Um, what's keeping you hungry and what keeps you moving forward? Cause you've achieved a lot. You know, you appeared on The Voice, you're an Amazon bestseller, you're a social media influencer, you're a keynote speaker. What keeps you moving that needle forward? For, for me, it is it is the freedom to be creative. I, I love creativity. Um, and, and, and for me, it's about the ability to reinvent myself constantly and to get better than I was before. If you had asked me that three years ago, I would have had a very, very different answer about what drives me. Now it is, it is just the ability to do what I want when I want. Uh, it is the ability to uh, live life on my terms. It's the ability to, um, the things that I really don't like doing, I, I can delegate them to my team. Um, and it's about me just expressing my potential. And, and I think that, um, you know, I want to find as many people as possible that want to go on that ride because it's not for everybody. The high performance is, is, is definitely not for everybody. Uh, it's much easier to not do it. It's much easier to, you know, do Netflix binging and, and, and just to live a, 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 a normal life, right? Much easier. This road isn't for everyone. Um, and, and for me, the, the part that drives me is that, is that gratitude of the way that I was, I was brought up and manifesting or unfolding my potential and seeing what kind of good I could do in the world. It's just, it's just Marco who's on, who's on the, who's on the boardroom. So the boardroom's done uh, 17, over 17 billion in mergers and acquisitions, 50 rapid turnarounds and help companies increase their sales by 1.2 billion. And Marco on our board, he said this wonderful thing that I, that I love all the time or that I say all the time now, but his driver in life is this quote. And the quote is, I would hate one day to meet the, 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 the version of myself that I could have been. Mm. So coming face to face with the person that you could have been is, 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 is a little bit scary. You know, imagine if you, if, if one day you met the highest purpose version of yourself and, and they came face to face with you and it was kind of like, Hey, what, what happened to you, buddy? Like you had all this potential that you didn't fulfill what, 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 what went wrong. <laughs> and, mm -hmm. and I, I don't want to have that conversation with myself. I want to feel good about myself and that's why I do what I do. And growth can be exponential if we have that perspective. That's a great thought that you planted there. I like that. If you were to meet the higher version of yourself and you were like, what happened to you, pal? Like, wow, you got blunt. Yeah. That's really, that's quite thought provoking. I like, I like provocative, like things that kind of make you really think. So thank you for that, Oscar. Uh, last couple of questions. If you were able to meet someone living or dead, who would that be and, and why? Ah, oh, that's a difficult question. That is a difficult question. I know it's asking, it's really asking you to tell me which is your favorite child. It's impossible. <laughs> yeah, I know. I know. It is, it, is, it is a difficult thing. Who would I meet and why? that's that's such a that, that's a really i mean the, the sea is limitless um who would i meet and why 
it it have to be someone you know someone in ancient Greece would be would be great you know like a probably like a Marcus Aurelius wow would, would be great to meet um and and understand what was what was going on in that time why were people doing what they were doing and and just a, a really deep understanding of of what what he was living through at that time so, someone like him or a Frederick Nietzsche, I think would be a, that would be a really interesting conversation, a great, great philosopher, much, much more on the kind of dark side of, of philosophy. Um, but, but someone, someone that really left a, probably a philosopher that left a really big imprint on our lives. I would love to meet. Well, it's so interesting, right? Cause I, I asked this question and people can pick anybody in the world, right? And you're the second person in two days straight who said Marcus Aurelius. <laughs> really? Yeah. That's it is great. I'm, I'm like, wow, because I love Gladiator, you know, and even I joke and say, you know, I'm Marcus Seftinus. Yeah. <laughs> so I just think that's hilarious. Really yeah. cool. Really cool, Oscar. As we bring this into land, is there anything that you've got burning that you want to say? Oh, my gosh. What do I want to say? What do I want to say? Look, for, for anyone watching, I, I would really reflect deeply and on, on, on Bajo and, and what it means for you. Uh, I, I was interviewed recently by uh, Mark Galston, who's an incredible uh, keynote speaker. He played Steve Jobs for a year and a half. He's a, a, a FBI hostage negotiator. And he said that Bajo changed his life and the way that he actually approached his whole day. And, and this guy, in terms of accolades, he, he's got me chumped, right? And, and much more wisdom, much more experienced than, than me. And, and even he was able to implement something in his life from, from this. So I think that people that are watching, it, it's not about what you know, right? It, it's not about that at all because all the books and all the knowledge and all the information in the world doesn't mean, I like the word jack squat, does not mean jack squat unless you implement it. And sometimes, sometimes I hear people saying to me, oh, I'm not going to come to that workshop because, you know, uh, you, you're probably going to cover stuff I already know. It's like, well, if you already know that, then why aren't you as successful as you want to be? So for people listening to this, it's like, don't, don't listen to this stuff and then don't implement because that's foolish. Implement what you hear. <laughs> you're just, you lost it. You've gone. You're gone. You carry on. You carry on. I'm having a, mo I'm having a moment. You carry on. Yeah. yeah. I love that. I don't know why people laugh at that word. I don't know why Jack, people laugh at that word. Jack so squat. <laughs> oh, Oscar, that was brilliant. Now, I, I love the premise of what you were saying there. And uh, the, good, the good thing is, is, is laughter is so important in today's life because we've become so serious, haven't we? So I love the fact that we, you've made me chuckle. Uh, Oscar, how do people find out more about you? Where do they go to engage with you? So they can go to www.oscar-chavez.com. Um, that's probably the easiest way, or they can find me on LinkedIn um, or on Facebook. I'm Oscar Chavez forward slash. Uh, I think I'm Oscar Chavez entrepreneur on, on Facebook. So a couple of different ways there. Yeah. You've got to, you've got to have Oscar Chavez forward slash Jack squat. <laughs> <laughs> it's been that's great, Oscar. Thanks for your energy and thanks for the buffet. It was wonderful. Yeah, wonderful. Thank you so much for your uh, for your, your generosity with this, Mark. Appreciate it. Yeah, you're welcome. Thank you for joining this episode with me, Mark Sefton. I hope you've really enjoyed it. Feel free to leave us a positive review on iTunes. And I look forward to welcoming you back 
to the next episode of the Brains Magazine podcast.